Giving love and showing feelings makes the world go round. When you tell someone you care, it makes a lovely sound. Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. I really do love hearing from listeners of this show. Email is great. Social media DMs are perfectly fine, too. But actually talking with you is ideal. I will have more on that coming up, including something that just happened a couple hours ago. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest just last month released a 16-song children's album, which includes three interactive bonus tracks. He is a record producer, film and TV composer, songwriter, arranger, musical director, and band leader who splits his time between Music City and Los Angeles. On Spotify alone, he has well over 213,000 monthly listeners, and his top five tracks on there have gotten a combined total of over 41 million streams. Last year, he produced a four-song EP for the legendary Johnny Mathis, who he has done work with in the past. In 2022, he also worked with Jackie Ivancho, and the record label he had then released her full-length album. He was previously a guest on this show in December 2021 on episode 412. You've been hearing a song called Be My Valentine, which is from his new album. Welcome back to Now Hear This Entertainment, Fred Mullen. Well, first of all, thank you, Bruce. I really always enjoy these, so thank you. You bet, you bet. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate you making time in your crazy schedule to come back on the show. Let's start off by having you share with the audience about the song from your new album that was just playing called Be My Valentine, including who was that singing, and what else can you tell us about that track? Well, you know, we'll talk more about um, the whole concept of the album, um, but, you know, these are songs written for the very young, you know, literally ages one through five. Mm. And, uh, and of course, uh, at the same time, we're trying to uh, please their caretakers, whether it's, <laughs> whether it's the parents, whether it's grandparents, whether it's caretakers. We also, you know, I, I'm using the royal we. I also try to uh, make music for young children that doesn't get on the nerves of the older people. <laughs> so, so I have a criteria um, to make the songs enjoyable for everyone, but certainly they're aimed at the very young. And uh, this particular song is part of the album Special Days, where every song on the album is about a different celebration, um, whether it's a holiday or just a celebration date uh, on the calendar. And um, uh, Be My Valentine was a song I wrote for the album with Tanya Hancheroff, who's one of Nashville's most in-demand session singers. Uh, she's absolutely brilliant. And um, I wrote that with her singing it um, in mind. And it was, you know, just a song that I wanted little kids to hear about that particular date on the calendar that's very sweet. It's like I really remember, you know, being five or six years old and handing a Valentine card to some little girl in my school, you know. So I, I wrote a song with that sort of in mind. And you know, these songs are, are meant to be, you know, um, they're simple, they're sweet, and, uh, you know, they're really meant for the little kids to sing along and to love them and, and uh, also to bring some light uh, in their lives because the past two years have been pretty hard on kids. Okay, but for the big kids out there, for the adults, you said, I wrote that song with, with Tanya Hentroff with her singing it in mind. What does that mean? Well, you know, I, I knew I wasn't going to sing it. Uh, I, I, it was like there are certain songs on the album that I sing, certain albums I cast for other singers. And um, and so um, Tanya's voice is so sweet, and she can do anything. So, yeah, I always knew that she'd be a good person to sing that song. And, yeah, I just wrote, I wrote the song just, you know, I mean, every morning, Bruce, I, I would go down to my studio and, you know, first thing before I did anything, I'd write a new song for this particular record. Mm. So that song was just, you know, it came off very easily and probably my favorite on the album. Wow. Wow. 
Well, you know, I like the explanation that you gave because it conjured up images for me of being a little kid and the way that we would exchange Valentines in grammar school. And I think really, Fred, you've also touched upon an occasion that, okay, Martina McBride had my Valentine, but this is not unlike Halloween, which we talked a few weeks ago. Michelle Rose was my guest, and she said, I'm trying to make an entire original album of Halloween songs. And so I like that you've come up with something where it's not only one of the holidays on the calendar that we don't have a lot of music for, but it is for kids to look at very innocently. And it doesn't have to be something like My Valentine by Martina McBride. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not a song for adults. It's a song for young, young children. The whole album is. So um, thank you for, for that. But I mean, it, it should hopefully give the kids sort of a theme song for that particular date on the calendar. Mm, yeah, well said. Well, congratulations on the new album, which just came out last month and is considered a follow-up to your It's Great to Be a Kid album, which you and I talked about the last time you were on the show. Tell the audience more about this new release, though, called Special Days, Fun Songs About Holidays and Celebrations. You know, uh, um, well, again, thank you. Um, my mandate on the first of these albums a couple of years ago was right in the heart of the early pandemic uh, uh, days, and I didn't want to make a record. Uh, I was making a record for the little children. I wanted to make it to give them some light that they could look towards during a very dark time and a very uh, um, a time when they were isolated and when, frankly, there was worry, a lot of worry and fear. So I wrote the songs on It's Great to Be a Kid about what a four- or five-year-old kid would be looking forward to growing up. So those were about songs about the things you would experience as you grow. And uh, this album, as a follow-up, was very much in the same spirit. I wanted to add light to these young children's lives with songs that I think they would love. And I wanted to be able to give them a sort of theme song for each special day on the calendar. So Christmas, you know, New Year's, uh, Halloween, Cinco de Mayo, Fourth of July, and then Passover, Thanksgiving, Mother's and Father's Days. I wanted to have a song for each of those kinds of days, these, those special days on the calendar that the little ones can also look forward to. So it really was a, a, the same spirit, and also, by the way, the same wonderful Nashville musicians who are monstrous, and uh, the same crew of singers. So I really wanted it to be a volume two, and I thought this was a good concept. Mm. And, and it's interesting, because you mentioned there are some holidays or celebration days that really are not generally song material. And I think my Halloween night song is really, is really good like that. I think Be My Valentine is a great example. Um, I have written a new birthday song, which I'm hoping will eclipse... <laughs> happy birthday i'm hoping because it's up tempo and it's fun and it's simple and i really hope that people go listen to happy happy birthday because i want to make that the new national birthday anthem well you know what else you did that i think is a great example of don't overthink it is i'm holding the cd in my hands and i'm looking at this and the, i'm not going to go through all 13 but the track listing mm -hmm. it's literally just saying the occasion i'm looking at Halloween night, I'm looking at Thanksgiving, I'm looking at Happy New Year, I'm looking at the 4th of July, I'm looking at Passover, I'm looking at Easter. And audience, I'm literally reading to you the song titles. Yeah. So Fred, you didn't bog yourself down in, hmm, okay, what's the hook in this song? What would make for a good title? You're literally telling the kids, as much as the parents are the ones who are going to buy it, you're literally telling the kids, this is the occasion that this song is for. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't want to get too clever um, so for the most part, yeah, it's, you know, there's At Christmas, there's Be My Valentine, Halloween Night. But yes, you can't go wrong. You'll know what song is what song. Well, and I'm sure that from your producer chair, you probably do see lots of artists that need to get out of their own way because they are trying to make something bigger out of something that mm -hmm. they really don't need to. And you're exemplifying it yourself. You're talking the talk and walking the walk and going, look, here's 13 songs. You can figure out what occasion they're yeah. for. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. You know, I think you have to remember, too, Bruce, I, along with a lot of what I do, which is produce 
I, I produce artists for and not just children's music. Obviously, I produce everyone from Johnny Mathis to you know to, to uh, Kristen Chenoweth lately, and all sorts of wonderful artists that I've been producing for years. Um, and I also had a career through Disney for years and years producing records for Disney Music. Um, so I was able to really understand what young children might like and had some great successes over the years uh, producing records for Walt Disney Records. And so it's sort of second nature to me to write these things. And so to answer your question, I don't overthink. You know, it's really, it comes from a pretty experience, but also a very, you know, pure place of like, yeah, I like this, let's do it. Mm. You know, as opposed, and, and you know, that's part of what I do as a producer anyway is, you know, my job as a record producer and arranger is when I'm working with an artist is to fulfill their vision um, and to direct the album. And at the same time, you know, of course, it has to be their record. So I work, you know, to fulfill their vision or, or help them find their vision. But also what's really important is that I make decisions. You know, that's my job. You know, every single hour of the day when I'm making the record, there's a new decision to be made. So, mm-hmm. so these, these records are, especially because they're done for young children, there's not a lot of overthinking needed. Um, the only overthinking sometimes th- that's needed is, you know, is it going to work for a young child? And that's, and that's just, you know, something I'm sort of used to because I've done a lot of them. Mm-hmm. This new album that we're talking about was put out by 8 Pound Gorilla Records, and as I mentioned in the intro, has three interactive bonus tracks, which is a neat approach. With my business hat on, I see that, and I think, ooh, good marketing strategy. But I get nervous bringing that up because I feel like you as the creator of these songs are going, no, come on, Bruce. Join-in songs have been around for years and years. I just figured I'd make three of the tracks on this album available in that form. Well, you know, we did It's Great to Be a Kid, which was two years ago, and then we did this one. And we did add bonus tracks of join-in versions for both that album and this album. So basically, you know, uh, on this album, there's three songs, Special Days, which is sort of the theme song I wrote, um, Happy, Happy Birthday, and uh, Thanksgiving, which are all really easy to sing along to. And what we did was we just did versions where we took out the singing at certain times so the kids could sort of do a karaoke. Gotcha, gotcha. Folks, if you never heard my first interview with Fred, do please go back and listen to the conversation that he and I had on episode 412. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Among other things that we covered during that interview is, as you heard him talking about, Fred's extensive background working in children's music, including having been vice president of A&R for Walt Disney Records in California. In fact, he was executive producer of such Disney successes as High School Musical, The Concert, and Disney Channel Holiday. Plus, he has written countless Disney lullabies and independent children's tunes. Fred, in fact, we did not talk about this the last time we recorded an interview together, but there's also a project out there that you did almost 11 years ago called Martha's Vineyard Lullaby Album, which was actually 10 songs that were all instrumentals. Yeah, I mean, on my resume, um, which I have to laugh at because I never thought I'd have a resume, <laughs> but I guess if you look at Wikipedia or something, you'll see what I've done or All Music Guide. But I've been making music in the studio and uh, doing making records since I was 18. And uh, I also had a, about a good long 16, 17-year run writing music for TV and film nonstop. So... Around 1998, I was asked by Disney to do an instrumental lullaby album uh, using songs, you know, that were Disney songs as well as others, but two instrumental versions that were very calming and very soothing and would be sort of a great way to help a young child get to sleep. Mm. And we did the Disney lullaby album, which wound up, I think to this day, is about 900,000 sold mm. and, uh, and, and streaming numbers are great. And then we wound up doing five others. We did Volume 2, we did a Princess Lullaby album for Disney, and we did a Christmas Lullaby album for Disney, and a um, Music Box Lullaby album for Disney, and then I did one for Sony. And then I also decided, um, you know, a number of years ago to do one for myself, in a sense. So I sort of self-released an album called the Martha's Vineyard Lullaby album, which, again, is more instrumental, you know, mainly piano or guitar with strings, very calming, perfect 
sort of how to put your child to sleep music. And um, on that one, I decided to put it out myself and to dedicate it and to try to create music that felt to me like the spirit of the island of Martha's Vineyard, where I've had my home for years as well as uh, my home in Nashville. Uh, I always kind of raise a, an eyebrow in a almost laughing kind of way when I hear people talk about things that will help them go to sleep. And I'm referring specifically to you saying, I'm creating music that you will fall asleep to. It's almost like <laughs> you're contradicting yourself. I want you to listen to my music, but I also want you to fall asleep. There's a podcaster out there who has really made it big because he has created a podcast that's intended to put people to sleep. And in fact, my first wife used to tell me that they would replay radio broadcasts of lacrosse games that I used to announce and she said they would play these games back on the radio and I would listen to you broadcast these games and I would fall asleep to your voice and I thought well <laughs> I understand the spirit with which you're saying that but I'm also kind of insulted <laughs> yeah it's, you know what yeah it's interesting I don't I certainly don't take it as an insult because the records have done so well especially the early Disney uh, uh, stuff on the lullaby uh, volume one especially but you know it's an interesting thing and and you just brought it to mind when i produce records so if i'm producing an artist um you are working really hard to make a record that people will absolutely pay attention to and really put all their focus on and love you know and so you're actually making people you're trying to get people's attention and really get them excited and when you're making these instrumental lullaby albums that i've done so many of now you're doing the opposite you're actually making music that is not, you don't want to wake the baby. <laughs> so, so, you know, there's no big, there's no, you know, like, you know, on a song, I might say, well, let's have a big crescendo in this chorus and all, you do all these things. Well, on these records, it's flatlining. Yeah. You know, there's no crescendos. It's meant to basically start to put you into a place where you're calm and, and you know, a young child is calm and, and frankly, it can be used for anyone. And it's just there, and it's it's musical, but at the same time, you know, we don't have that same sort of mandate that we would have in making a record that actually people need to stay awake for. Right, and of course, an argument can be made that a songwriter wants the audience to feel something, and in this case, it's just relaxation is what you want them to feel. And, and yes, I, I want them to feel. I want them to feel a calm. A, a, a sense of safety and rea and relaxation yeah, yeah. A, and 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 musically of course you can easily do that with the right you know songs and and the right you know sort of arrangements that just you know give you that sort of feeling of of wellness musical wellness you know Indeed. and and i think that, that there's also something to be said you know i'm i think you know like, like you said <laughs> about your wife you know, it's like there's a part of you that took that as an insult but <laughs> uh, i actually remember that there was a, a an article about me I think it was in the Vineyard newspaper, the Martha's Vineyard newspaper, and the title was, you know, it was a virtual front page piece in the Martha's Vineyard Times, actually, and it said, "His music makes people sleep." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm la I just laughed at it. I said, that's wonderful, you know. Um, so yes, and 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 again, I'm I'm so proud of these particular records, Bruce. Wonderful. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. Let's move on, however, because as much as we've been talking about children's music, you are doing so much more in addition to all that, including, I mentioned in the intro, that you worked with the legendary Johnny Mathis again last year, producing a new four-song EP that he did. Yeah, I, I work with John now. This is the third uh, album. We're actually finishing. We did a four-song sort of teaser a EP, and now we're finishing that Christmas album which will come out in October. And uh, that'll be um, the third album that I've produced for John. And um, uh, the first two actually got Grammy nominated. And, you know, John is an American treasure. He's 87, and it's one of my greatest honors in life to produce someone like John Mathis. It's, uh, you know, he's about the closest thing I can ever get to, you know, what really is the most legendary uh, of all singers. I mean, you know, I know that people would compare him to Tony Bennett or Frank Sinatra. And um, we know that, you know, Tony's not really there anymore, um, sadly. Uh, um, and Sinatra's gone. And Johnny is still singing in the same keys he sang in when he was 20. He's mm. amazing. He's 87, and he's the kindest and sweetest man. And this beautiful record we're doing is very, very sort of classic 
Mathis Christmas, and um, I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be called Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is the title of the album, but it won't be out until October. But if you want to hear the first, if you want to hear the first four songs, they are available uh, under that EP name of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Yeah, and it's fitting for someone like him to do Christmas standards because his original music has stood the test of time. In fact, I have a client who she has a classic jazz voice, and she is an older singer. She's in her early 70s, and I just went to see her perform last night, actually, and it's not uncommon to hear her do a Johnny Mathis song. So generations, his music has stood up for, and he's proving it, as you said, by still being the age that he is now and still being in the studio working. It's amazing. It's really incredible, isn't it? I mean, he, he and he really, he's, he's on the road at least, you know, 50 shows a year, and he's, mm. his voice is absolutely stunning. I mean, it's just amazing that this man can still sing with that purity and beauty. The last time you and I did an interview together, you had lots of good things to say about an artist named M. Griner. Hmm. What's the update with her as it relates to the work that you've been doing on her recording projects? Well, I'm so glad you brought that one up. You know, um, M, and that's spelled E-M-M, and Griner is G-R-Y-N-E-R. She's been sort of a Canadian, not household name, but she's well-known in Canada because she's been doing a lot of records over the years, mostly sort of indie and a little bit sort of challenging singer-songwriter and, um, you know, I would say sort of, you know, bending the rules kind of artist. <clears throat> she also sang backgrounds for David Bowie for years on the road. Mm. So she's an incredibly gifted person. Uh, her Her voice and her songwriting are absolutely brilliant she called me about two years ago and said um i'm making a record that's going to be sort of an homage to the great songs uh, and the great records of the late 70s uh or mid 70s into the early 80s and she sort of mentioned things like steely dan and michael mcdonald and the doobies and you know, Christopher Cross and, you know, all these kinds of things that now they would call yacht rock. You know, that's the mm. joke, uh, yacht rock, you know. Mm-hmm. And and she said, you know, I know you worked with a lot of these people and I think you're the perfect producer for me. And I was, I was obviously extremely flattered. And I said, well, uh, let me hear what you got. And I listened to the songs and I said, oh, my God, these are fantastic. Uh, and we went in the studio and it's finally coming out. She was very, very tenacious about getting licenses for all different territories all across the world, and uh, everyone's releasing it um, in different territories and different labels in April. And the album is called Business and Pleasure. And um, I know, again, you can go on to Spotify or, or Amazon Music, and the first couple of tracks have been released by M. And the first one is uh, a song called uh, Burn the Boats. And then there was another one, uh, and I can't re- quite remember what the first one was, but um, I know that if you go to M. Griner and uh, and look it up, you'll find some really cool stuff, but very proud of that record. I cannot wait for it to come out. Yeah, and in addition, another project that you worked on since we last spoke was you were the consulting producer on the new debut album by UK artist, am I saying her name correct, Yana Vargova? Yeah, Yana Vargova. Feel free to tell us about that, but I'm interested in learning what the difference is between a producer and a consulting <laughs> producer, as well as why an artist would have both on one project. Yeah. Well, uh, Yana was very special. She came to me through uh, Mark Eady, who represents me in the UK as a producer. And, um, you know, Yana did not have the financing uh, to go and come to Nashville and make a record with me. And even though I could have probably brought a record in for her very economically, she didn't have any kind of money like that. So I did listen to her material, and I said, oh, my God, this girl is, I think she's um, Serbian, I think. But she, she's um, absolutely brilliant, um, gorgeous voice, wonderful writer, beautiful musician. And I was like, oh, my God, I would so love to work with you. And so Mark uh, decided to introduce her to, Stefan Redenbacher, who is a UK bass player and band leader who has a wonderful little studio in the UK. And she decided she could afford to do that album, but do it, you know, very, you know, quickly. And, you know, the arrangements are spare and very powerful, but they're, you know, there's no big production budget needed. I see. And no big production budget was, was, was there. So the question then was, um, she called me one night and she said, 
you know, I really want you to be in on this. And obviously, I can't even pay for your flight here if you could come for a week or something. So she said, would you at least consult? You know, and I hadn't done many of these and probably won't do many more of those. Mm -hmm. But I did, in fact, I took a token fee and I therefore was involved in the song selection and talking about the arrangements with Stefan and, and with Jana and um, and then I, you know, over, you know, was able to listen to her vocals and make some minor suggestions. So it really was like being sort of an executive. I you see. Know, it, it wasn't really, I mean, she called me a consulting producer, and I guess that's what I was, but it's certainly not something that I ever uh, do on a regular basis. Yeah, I see. Interesting, though. Interesting. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville by record producer, film and TV composer, songwriter, arranger, musical director, and band leader Fred Mollen. Visit his official website at fredmollen.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. His new album, released last month, which you heard him talk about, is called Special Days, Fun Songs About Holidays and Celebrations, and is available on iTunes as well as on Spotify. Back in the intro, you heard the huge numbers that he's getting on Spotify. So join the crowd that is following him on there. There is a contact page on fredmollen.com with information if you are looking to get in touch. This morning, as I put the finishing touches on getting this interview together, I was quote-unquote live on the OWL app. O-W-W-L-L, like the bird, but with two W's and two L's. Two different people called me on there during that time. You've heard me talk about it before. I've mentioned that they're not a sponsor. They're not paying me to talk about them. I just think it's a really cool way to connect. In fact, here's a perfect example of the difference between making connections through OWL versus LinkedIn. The other day, I sent a private message on LinkedIn to someone that I'm already connected to on there. I can see that they read it, yet they didn't write me back. That's very deflating. (laughs) With the OWL app, people are on there and they quote-unquote go live because they want calls. They want to connect. They want to talk to people. You don't give out your cell phone number, so there's still that aspect of privacy, but it's a great way to start networking, start building relationships. And by the way, if someone you see on there that you want to talk to isn't live, you just tap the request to go live button. They'll get notified. They go live and boom, you call them through the app. Like I said, I was already live, so two people called me through there this morning. One had seen me speak in January at PodFest in Orlando, and the other simply saw my profile on there and decided to call and say hello. OWL is free to download on my podcast website, nhte.net. Tap or click anywhere that says Home to look for the following article. You can also just head directly to nowhearthis.net, and that, of course, is H-E-A-R. It'll save you one tap or one click. Either way, you want to dive into the article under the headline, Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away. And in that, you will find not only links to get OWL from the App Store or Google Play, but the invitation code in there that you'll need because it's a required field as you're setting it up on your phone. Get on there. Give me a call. Let's chat. Fred, another project that you worked on when we last spoke was your own boutique record label, and I know that that is now in the past. Was that kind of a victim of the pandemic, so to speak? I know that when we talked last time, you kind of hinted that that might have been the case. And, and now, in fact, it is in your rearview mirror. Um, the label may continue, um, but I'm no longer. Uh, I, I founded it and I was uh, the co-founder of it and, and certainly was running it. It just literally, yeah, the pandemic absolutely made things so hard Um the artists that we signed could not do live performances for a year and a half um, to help, you know, help us with the marketing of the record. And these days, that's critical. Um, and so there were lots of reasons, you know. And and I just finally did have enough creative differences with my partner, who was the financial backing of the label, that I just felt it was time to to go back to full freelancing. And if someone is going to take it over and uh, and try to do something, I wish them all the best. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to get into some things that are more observational just because of someone of your stature in the industry. I'm thinking, for instance, because of the timing of this interview, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Fred, on the Grammy Awards that took place last month. Maybe anything that stood out to you, good or bad. You know, it's funny. I I don't really pay attention anymore to the Grammys because ever since they took the Grammys and put them into an arena, 
uh, and uh, they're really going for a very young viewership. And so therefore, it's really a lot of urban stuff and a lot of hard, hard, you know, you know, kind of assaultive rock, uh, but mostly a lot of urban and what I call sort of processed um, mechanical pop, which is fine. It works wonderfully for the younger audience, but for me, it's not what I listen to. So I'm not going to really pay attention much to the Grammys. And um, I, you know, I've been a member of the Academy since 1974. Mm. And so, um, you know, I'm very proud of it, but I don't follow it as much. And certainly the things that I'm most interested in are people who I love, uh, like a Bonnie Raitt. I like to see her win something for something of real quality. So, um, you know, I I thought the Jackie Ivanko album that I did, which was the album... um, called Carousel of Time, which was an album of Joni Mitchell songs, I still think is an unheralded masterpiece. I think Jackie's one of the greatest singers. She's only 21, but she's absolutely a monster. And I thought our album was wonderful, and I hope people go look for it. It's a beautiful record, but that was one that was ignored by the the Grammy organization. So I wasn't so thrilled with that, because I felt like that deserved, in the certain categories we were up in, I thought we deserved possibly getting a nomination. But... You know, I mean, listen, there's a lot of competition out there. I'm by nature not a competitive person. So um, I think you're probably asking the wrong person about the (laughs) Grammys this year. But is it the case, though, of I don't watch the televised award show, but I do go looking for the results the next day online? Um, Yes, I do. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Well, for that matter, the Super Bowl halftime show, is that of interest to you? It's more than a month later, and I feel like people are still talking about Rihanna and her having performed at the game. Um, You know, I'm not a football fan, and so unless I'm having a a bunch of people over or at a Super Bowl party, which I still wasn't quite comfortable with, with the pandemic still in my mind, Mm. still hurting our social stuff a bit still, um, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I did watch Chris Stapleton do his um, anthem version. Mm. And um, Chris and I go back a long way. He, I, w- I would hire Chris in Nashville for background vocals mm. when, he was strugg- when he was struggling. And I also had him sing on a bunch of Disney projects because he's absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, in my mind, you know, uh, on so many levels, an unlikely celebrity and star but he was so gifted that I don't think you could stop him. You know, mm. he's just a very, he's a very quiet, shy guy, you know, so he's not one of those showbiz people, but his success has been unbelievable. And I thought his version, which I watched on YouTube, of him doing the Star Spangled Banner was the best I'd ever heard anyone do it. Interesting that you say that his personality isn't really one for being a star, and yet he is, so... That's kind of an interesting contrast there. That it's, it's, on, it's on his merit of being so gifted that, you know, you just can't stop. Some, sometimes you can't stop something. You mm. know? And, and he is, you know, he's really beloved by, you know, the country music and pop audience. And he's just an incredibly gifted, soulful person and a great performer. But I think, you know, yeah, I don't think it came easily to him to be the center of attention. Mm, yeah, I see that. I see that. There's something else going on that I'd love to hear your thoughts on as someone who has been in the music business for as many years as you have and has seen so many changes. TikTok is a video sharing platform, yet it has become practically a must for artists who are trying to get their music heard, discovered, etc. At a time when we thought that YouTube and Spotify had cornered the market on forms of media, video and audio respectively, that TikTok is trying to master is this good for the music industry or no, and why or why not? Well, again, I, everyone has their opinions. I mean, first of all, TikTok um, apparently is owned by China. It's becoming now sort of a hot topic because I think the U.S. and Canada are going to outlaw TikTok. I just think until uh, it is sold to an American or a Canadian company, I don't think they're going to uh, continue. So. I think a year from now we may not be talking about TikTok. Mm. I do think that um, for music, any time these days that you can get your music out there, we have to play the game. And the game is that music is free, basically. You know? And so uh, recorded music is free. And so therefore, uh, any venue, uh, social media format is important. So TikTok becomes important. 
Facebook, Instagram, you know, uh, they're all important ways to to try to get the word out. And so um, I don't have anything to say more than that. I think it's a very viable, you know, uh, thing. I, I, I think all of these social media places, whether it's Facebook or whether it's Instagram or whether it's TikTok, they all have their problems, you know, that, that, that are creating problems for us. But they're also, again, sort of the the devil you know, and I think they, they, they can help greatly to get the word out, uh, and, and these days that's really important for any musician. Yeah, and for those that are listening and thinking, what does he mean TikTok will be gone in a year? Mark this down that Fred said this, because I'm going to give you three real quick examples that come to mind. It can happen. Fred and I both remember the days of MySpace. Where is MySpace? If you were around during its popularity, you would have never thought it was going away. As a podcaster, I was excited when Facebook said, we are going to add podcasts. And I'm sure that lots of other podcasters like me were excited that Facebook, which is kind of the king of the social media mountain, said, we're going to add podcasts. Guess what? They gave up. They stopped using their platform to get podcasts out there. And the other one, maybe not as high profile as Facebook, but there was a period of time where there was a platform called Blab, and it just got really popular really fast. And one day, the people who ran it decided, this has been fun, but we don't want to do it anymore. And users woke up one morning, and there was literally a message that said, this has been a lot of fun, but we just don't want to do it anymore. So I'm going a long way to reinforce Fred's point yeah. that as crazy as it might sound to you in March of 2023, if in March of 2024 you can't get at TikTok anymore, yeah. you're going to remember this interview and, and Fred having made that point. And Fred, I think that also shows why artists do have to do exactly what you said, is leverage as many platforms as possible and not put all their eggs, in this case, in the TikTok basket. Yeah, no, not, not, not in one basket. And also, I mean, the latest I've been hearing, of course, just on the news, is that, you know, there is a, there is a government, uh, what looks like a majority of the government wants TikTok to be stopped because they feel it's a data-collecting uh, site that could be used against us uh, by China. Mm. So I think that that's probably why it will not continue unless it's sold to a, a U.S. or Canadian well, or U.K. company. We did just see the first step, which was implementing a maximum screen time that kids under the age of, I think it's 18, yeah. are going to face. So mm. that could be the first step towards exactly what you're describing. Yeah. Audience, next month I will be in Anaheim for the NAM show, which specifically is April 13th to the 15th. If any of you will be there, please get in touch either through social media or by sending an email to podcast at nhte.net to let me know you'll be there so we can meet. Fred, I don't know if you'll be at that event too or not, but it does beg the question, at this stage in your career, are you in if it ain't broke, don't fix it mode? Or if no, how do you keep up with the newest gear? <laughs> the, well, you know, uh, uh, most of the gear these days is really software, you know, where we're putting it into our computer and uh, my engineer, because I don't engineer, but I have a house engineer. And, um, you know, so our computer is loaded with, you know, the most up-to-date sound libraries as well as uh, uh, sound processing libraries and recording process uh, libraries. So um, I'm pretty up-to-date on all of that stuff, but I'm also... You know, as a musician, you know, I can't wait to see the latest models of certain guitar companies and certain keyboard companies. So, yeah, I'm, I keep up for sure. I gave out your website address earlier and we will be doing so again. But when the audience goes there, they will see pictures of you with some artists that as much as we did cover, we did not talk about the last time you were on the show. So can you story tell for us a little bit about, and this could be one of these, it could be all of these, but they're going to see pictures of performing with America. They're going to see working with Lyle Lovett, Rita Wilson, Graham Nash, and David Crosby, who we unfortunately just lost in January. Yeah, did, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I, again, you know, I, my, my musical life has been wonderful, and I've gotten to work with so many incredible talents, and I'm so just honored that, that I, I have had this life that has allowed me to work with everyone that uh, uh, is listed on my resume page, I guess. Um, so, you know, to, to see if, uh, can I think of any particular stories? I mean, there's so many. Um, you know, one of my favorite um, projects, which, again, I, I urge your listeners to go look up, and it's an album called Reimagination, 
by Lamont Dozier. And Lamont Dozier was part of the Motown songwriting team of Holland, Dozier, and Holland. And along with the Beatles, uh, the songs of Motown changed the world. I mean, not just music. The Motown and the Beatles changed the world. And um, Lamont Dozier, as part of uh, the three writers, wrote all the supreme hits, uh, wrote How Sweet It Is for Marvin Gaye, wrote all the Four Tops hits. I mean, literally, uh, the man was, you know, uh, should be on Mount Rushmore of songwriters. And I got to make this wonderful record with Lamont, which was uh, uh, done in 2017. And it was an album of Lamont doing his most famous songs, um, Unplugged. And, and the song list is unbelievable because it's everything from Reach Out, I'll Be There to Stop in the Name of Love mm. to, uh, you know, How Sweet It Is. I mean, the, again, this, these songs and this, these records changed our lives. But this record was very intimate, very unplugged. And we brought in different uh, guest stars to sing along with Lamont. And Lamont sings very sweetly. Now, we did lose Lamont also in 2022. Mm. Um, and that broke my heart because we were talking about doing a volume two because he has so many songs that we, we didn't get to put on the first album. But the album is called Reimagination. And, you know, w- one of the great stories that I can tell you, because Lamont was a great storyteller, and I can tell you one great story about, um, you know, and it's on, by the way, it's also on YouTube, The Making of Reimagination, oh. where he tells some of these stories during the making of the record. But he told me and he told us a great story about how he got the idea for Stop in the Name of Love. Hmm. <laughs> Which, you know, and it's, it's funny and it's it's a little sordid, but it's hysterically funny. You know, he said back in those days, you know, he was with a woman, um, but he was also having an affair. Mm. And he said he had taken the woman. This was again during the height of his songwriting career, probably you know, '66 probably or '65, um, when those records were coming out. And um, and he was a young man. So in Detroit, he said he took this woman to what he called a no-tell motel. <laughs> Um, for for a, a, a little uh, um, uh, whatever a little romance <laughs> and uh, they were there for for the better part of the day in the evening and at some point I guess in the evening a slamming knock came on the door and it was Lamont's wife mm. and and Lamont was saying I know she's in there bang 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 you know uh, open this door I'll knock it down I know she's in there and Lamont was able to get the woman and her clothing out the bathroom window. <laughs> and so, and then Lamont sort of, you know, pretended that he was by himself and he walked out of, you know, uh, walked into um, the living part of the motel and opened the door for his wife. And his wife was crazed with anger as she should have been. And Lamont was just, unfortunately he was lying and said, Oh my God, what are you talking about? I just was just sleeping here. I was, I had to find a way to get some sleep. I'd been so tired, and there's no one here. And she kept on going and going and going, and as you know, as a very jealous and very angry woman would do, angry person would do. And at one point, it got so bad that Lamont just looked at her and said, "Oh, please stop in the name of love." Uh. And then he stopped himself, <laughs> and he said, "He said to her." Honey, just wait a second. And he wrote it down. And he wrote Stop in the Name of Love down on the little, you know, pad you get next to the phone in the little motel. And he put it in his pocket. He goes, Honey, I hear ching, ching, ching on that. And it, it, it calmed her down. They made up. And, and the next thing you know, he was in the, uh, with the Holland Brothers the next morning writing. And he said, wow. I got a great title. I got a great title for their next song, you know. So wow. there's a lot of those kind of stories, but uh, I've always loved that one. Wow. Wow. That's a beaut. That's a beaut. Yeah. And folks, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't go back to the fact that I mentioned David Crosby's name in there earlier. Yeah. yeah. Fred Mullen mentioned the name Michael McDonald, and that prompted me. I should have spoken up at the time, but now that we've mentioned David Crosby also. If you didn't hear, last April, I put out an interview with Chris Polonis. That's episode 428, and I'll put a link to it, but... Chris was talking a lot about a lot of the work that he has done with Michael McDonald. Chris is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, producer, recording engineer. So go back and listen to that. He talks a lot about David Crosby also. Fred, we're going to close with another song from the new Special Days album that came out last month. 
a song called At Christmas. Before I let you go and I play the, that track, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. Oh, I'd be delighted. Well, you know, uh, I think I mentioned earlier that I cast um, the song as far as the singers. Um, the album is, again, for young children. This is not for adults, uh, although, again, I think adults could enjoy it, but it's aimed at young children. And um, on this particular song, I didn't use um, one of my team, because it's actually Fred Mullen with his friends, um, and my friends include Troy Johnson, uh, Karen Richmond, who's actually my fiance, and also uh, Tanya Hancheroff. But on this song, At Christmas, I sort of felt I could sing it. So it is me singing it with uh, Tanya doing background vocals, and it's just a sweet song about Christmas that I would hope, again, the little ones would start to love, and you know, my intention also is that the caregivers um, would also enjoy it and not be, you know, some kids' music makes you want to pull your hair out, and I think that's <laughs> certainly what I try not to do. So I think this is actually a very sweet Christmas song for the little ones. Yeah, again, we were talking before about you want the audience to feel something. You don't want to feel, I'm going to pull my hair out if I hear this song one more time. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm, I'm hoping it becomes a, a, a one that people are fond of. But take us through that thought process as you start to put pen to paper when you're writing these songs, you go down to your studio in the morning and marry that with the idea of casting the song. So at what point, how soon can you hear that? How soon can you envision, I'm going to sing this one myself, or this will be a good song for Tanya, or this will be, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I, it's, it's pretty early on. I mean, if I'm, sing, if I'm sitting there writing on the keyboard and singing it, I can tell pretty well, gee, this is not for me, or you know, mm. or I'm writing this, and and I think I could sing this. So you know, again, you know, Bruce, my job is uh, as a record producer and arranger is to make decisions all the time, and to make them quickly. So there's nothing new here except what experience teaches you in my world. And so, um, yeah, so on that one, I was like, yeah, I could sing this. That was it. You know, that was it. Let's be clear here. I'm holding the CD in my hand, Special Days, mm -hmm. Fun Songs About Holidays and Celebrations. Mm -hmm. Your team was kind enough to send this to me, but are there plenty of physical units in abundance, or is this, no, we're looking for people to buy it digitally? Because if there are physical units in abundance, where should people go to get the physical CD? Um, well, certainly the best place is always Amazon these days, um, because the, the brick-and-mortar stores, um, uh, even the Walmarts and the Targets, carry so few titles that they would certainly not be ca carrying this record. Um, but uh, I would say that certainly any, any situation like a Walmart.com or Amazon.com or Target.com, that's really where you're going to find the CDs. And I, I will make an offer, which is if someone would like to write to the FredMollen.com website and they have a copy of the CD and they would like it signed, um, uh, we can actually offer a P.O. box where they can send it, and uh, and I will sign it and inscribe it and send it back to them. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay. Well, Fred, congratulations on the new album. Wonderful to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for making time to be on Now Hear This Entertainment. I'm honored, buddy, and I thank you so much. You bet, you bet. And folks, with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to record producer, film and TV composer, songwriter, arranger, musical director and band leader, Fred Mollen. Do visit his official website at fredmollen.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. His new album released last month, which you've heard him talk about, is called Special Days, Fun Songs About Holidays and Celebrations. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, and you just heard him talk about getting a physical copy of it. Back in the intro, you heard the huge numbers that he's getting on Spotify. So join the crowd and give him a follow on there. There is a contact page, as you just heard him say, on fredmollen.com with information if you're looking to get in touch business-wise or regarding his offer for a signed CD. If you like Now Hear This Entertainment, this episode, others before it, every episode, Feel free to let me know as much by way of a here you go, thanks for what you do, Bruce, by going to my podcast website, nhte.net, and then utilizing the yellow logo there that says buy me a coffee. It's not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with a chain or a brand. You hear a lot of indie artists at their gigs these days giving out their Venmo, their PayPal, their Cash App. Well, this is a fun way for you to let me know that you like what I do through this podcast. 
check out my buy me a coffee option, put a note on there with it, and know that I am grateful for your support of this podcast. That's going to do it for episode 474. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from the Special Days Fun Songs About Holidays and Celebrations album. This is the one that Fred just talked about. It's called At Christmas. At Christmas, you can all decide to stay warm at home or play outside. And for those who celebrate this day, Feel so magical in so many ways. You can sing Christmas carols or watch Christmas TV. Or maybe go to church with your family. Did you buy a tree about a week before? Then dress it up with ornaments galore. At Christmas, you'll be together with the ones you love. Share this day with lots of hugs Nothing can beat a Christmas so sweet Let's take a nighttime walk and see the Christmas lights All the lit up houses make the nighttime bright Then curl up in bed and dream away Or maybe you'll dream about Christmas Day And in the morning, if you slept at all, you can check it out and see if Santa called. Is it a toy you wanted for so, so long? Or clothes so nice you want to put them right on? You'll be together with the ones you love. We should share this day with lots of hugs. Nothing can beat a Christmas so sweet Our gifts wrap nicely in boxes with bows And are there slippers and socks to warm your toes? With the ones we love And we can share this day with lots of hugs Well, nothing can beat a Christmas so sweet We'll be together with the ones we love And we can share this day with lots of hugs Nothing can beat A Christmas so sweet